Okay, all right, let's get started. Uh, John chapter number three. John chapter number three. If you're there, say amen. amen. All right, look with me at verse number 22. John chapter number three and at verse number 22. The Bible says this. After these things came Jesus and his disciples into the land of Judea, and there he tarried with them and baptized. And John also was baptizing and Anon near to Salem, because there was much water there, and they came and were baptized, for John was not yet cast into prison. Verse 25. Then there arose a question between some of John's disciples and the Jews about purifying. Verse 26. And they came unto John and said unto him, Rabbi, he that was with thee beyond Jordan, that's Jesus, to whom thou bearest witness, behold, the same baptizeth, and all men come to him. John answered and said, A man can receive nothing except it be given him from heaven. Ye yourselves bear me witness that I said, I am not the Christ, but that I am sent before him. He that hath the bride is the bridegroom. But the friend of the bridegroom, which standeth and heareth him, rejoiceth greatly because of the bridegroom's voice. This my joy, therefore, is fulfilled. In verse 30, he, Jesus Christ, must what? Increase. But I must what? Decrease. The title of uh, the message tonight is, The Bridegroom and His Friend. The bridegroom and his friend. And the truth tonight, like I said, as we talk about several different things here tonight, but if there's anything tonight that I just simply want you to remember, something that I just want you to meditate on, something I believe God wants all of us to meditate on, if there's anything that we can just leave with tonight, it's simply this, and it's not something I'm sure maybe you've never heard before, but it's something that honestly, at the beginning of this new year, we ought to be reminded of, and that's this, as a Christian... Others must, must, as the scripture says, others must see less of us and more of Christ. Let me say that one more time. As, as the theme and the truth here tonight is as a Christian, others must see less of us and more of Christ. Let's pray. Father God, we love you. We thank you again so much for all the wonderful blessings, Lord, that you've given to us. Lord, thank you for dying on the cross for our sins. And Lord, as, as we think about even that song we just heard, Lord, thy kingdom come and thy will be done. Lord, we're so looking forward to the rapture. Lord, we're so looking for the day where our faith shall truly be made sight and we shall meet together in the clouds. And so shall we ever be with you, God. And, and man, what a wonderful day that's going to be. And we're so looking forward to that, God. But until, until that day comes, God, may you increase in our lives, and may we decrease. Lord, I know many of us in this room, we're at different levels spiritually. Many of us have different spiritual achievements and victories in our lives, but God, everyone in this room, Christ could have more increase in their lives. God, you can increase more in my life, and so the day we die, you need to be increasing in our lives, and we need to be decreasing, God. And I just pray that this thought here tonight would simply just get across that your Holy Spirit, as you promised as he would, would guide us into that truth here tonight, and we'll give you glory. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. 
Well, as we started off this passage here in John chapter number three, we really see the two main characters of this passage, and that's Jesus and John the Baptist. These two, if you look back with me, look at John chapter number 3, look at verse number 22, just to kind of give you some background, look at verse 22, the Bible says in John 3, 22, after these things came Jesus, his disciples into the land of Judea, and there he tarried with them and baptized, referring to Jesus, really his disciples were baptizing as it says in John 4, and then in John 23, and John also was baptizing, and so we're opened up to these two main characters really in this portion of scripture, the middle of John 3. Jesus and John the Baptist, and both of them are baptizing. And it led John, this passage specifically, and baptizing specifically, it led John's disciples, some of them at least, to comment on the situation that was at hand. You see, John uh, uh, was baptizing, Jesus was baptizing, but the scripture says that all men were now going to Jesus. And really what uh, John's disciples were really trying to tell John was this, is Jesus, John, John, Jesus has stolen your fame, Jesus has stolen your influence, and Jesus has stolen your popularity, John, Jesus has stolen your crowd. And really what they were asking him and commenting was, John, are you just going to let this happen? Uh, are, you just, are, are you okay with that? The fact that here we are baptizing, there Jesus is baptizing, but it seems like everybody's with him now, what, what happened to the crowd that you had? And it seems that the disciples had to comment on the situation. But you know, I don't find their comment uh, very surprising because it was a good comment. And, and really, as, as it led to something very profound here, it really was something to think about. Because if you open to John chapter number one, just turn to John chapter number one right there in the beginning. If you open to John chapter number one, since the beginning of John's ministry, you know, many people during the time of John's ministry, especially here during the beginning, it seems that everybody found John so intriguing. You know, in so much that people were asking, hey, John, are, are you the Messiah? John, are you Elijah? Or John, maybe are you that prophet that was prophesied in Deuteronomy 18 by Moses or, or Malachi chapter number four? Or, are you any one of those three? And, and you see, in, in the beginning of John's ministry, he was so intriguing to people, and so many people came to him, and so many people had questions for him, and, and he developed a crowd. He truly did. Though he denied being any of those prominent people that were asked, he denied, he said, I'm not the Christ, I'm not Elijah come in the flesh. He says that I'm not that prophet that you're referring to. And even though he denied really three of these very prominent characters, these were people who were very important, even though he denied being any of those people, he still managed to develop crowds. He still managed to develop people who would listen to his teachings and people who would follow his practices. As a matter of fact, the scripture says here, as you can read it there, that John actually managed even to gather a couple of disciples. I mean, if you and I lived in the time of John the Baptist, I'm sure at some point, some of you may have maybe heard by word of mouth, hey, have you heard of John the baptizer? And I'm sure many of us would have heard of John the baptizer. And I want you to understand that in the beginning of John's ministry, he became a focus in Judea and in Israel and crowds would come to him and many people were intrigued by him. But all of a sudden, all of a sudden, there was a shift in the culture. Why? Because someone more important appeared onto the scene. 
Jesus Christ. You see, the Bible says in John chapter number 1, look with me at verse number 19. The very next day, after John himself was questioned about who he truly was, the very next day, look at John chapter number 1, verse 29. It says, the next day, John seeth who? Jesus coming unto him and saith, Behold, the Lamb of God, which taketh away the sin of the world. From this moment, John the Baptist began testifying that this Lamb, Jesus Christ, was indeed the very Son of God. And after that, if you keep on reading, the Bible says the day after that, John is with his two disciples, and again he sees Jesus. Look at me at verse number 36, or verse number 35. Again, another day after that, it says, The next day, after John stood and two of his disciples, and looking upon Jesus as he walked, he saith again, Look, Behold, the Lamb of God. And immediately, for the sake of time, we won't read the whole thing. I'm just trying to summarize here. But immediately, after once again, the next day, John sees Jesus and his disciples are with them. And he says, look, there he is again. Behold, the Lamb of God. Immediately, John just lost two of his disciples that were with him. Why? Because those two disciples began following Jesus. Now, on the other hand, Jesus had just received his first two disciples. Think about that. Andrew and Simon Peter. Now, not long after that, Jesus again gained two more disciples, Philip and Nathaniel. Afterward, in John chapter number 2, Jesus performed his first miracle in Cana, turning water into wine. And the Bible says, look with me at John chapter number 2, and look with me at verse number 11. John chapter number 2, verse number 11. The Bible says this about the first miracle that Jesus did beginning his ministry. It says, this beginning of miracles did Jesus in Cana of Galilee. And it says, and manifested forth his glory and his disciples believed on him. And so the scripture says that not only did John lose two disciples, Jesus gained those two, gained another two. And then the scripture says here that Jesus manifested forth his glory. In other words, we'll come back to that word manifested. But in short, Jesus began revealing himself to the world. Jesus' ministry was finally beginning. And then the scripture says in John chapter number 2, still later on, that Jesus then finds himself in the temple with the scourge of small cords which he made himself. And then the scripture says that with that scourge, he began driving out the money changers and the animals and overthrew their tables. Look at John chapter number 2, verse number 15. Verse number 15, the Bible says, And when he had made a scourge of small cords, he drove them all out of the temple and the sheep and the oxen and poured out the changers' money and overthrew the tables. Now, if people had not yet heard about Jesus Christ's miracle in Cana and what he had been doing, I'm sure that after the stunt that Jesus just pulled right there, that word got around about him. Can you imagine Jesus going into the temple with a scourge and, and driving everybody out? 
You know, if, if there is anything that got the word about, about Jesus, it's probably that in the beginning of his ministry, besides what he did in the beginning with turning the water into wine. But you see, here's the point, is at the end here, look with me at now John chapter number 2 and verse number 23. John chapter number 2 and verse 23. The Bible says here, really at the end of this chapter, now when he, Jesus, was in Jerusalem at the Passover and the feast day. What's that very next word? Many. You see that there? Now, when he was in Jerusalem at the Passover and the feast day, what's that next word? Many, many believed in his name when they saw the miracles which he did. By the end of John chapter number two, the Bible says that many believed in Jesus's name when they saw the miracles that he did. Now, I want you to consider this. In just a couple of days, weeks even, it seemed that Jesus had already gathered a wide following and gripped the attention of many. Notice how John the Baptist hasn't been mentioned yet again. Notice how when you open up the book of John, here's John the Baptist, he's the prominent character, he's preparing the way of the Christ, and then Jesus comes into the scene and no one hears of John the Baptist anymore. But all of a sudden he does get brought up again in just a little bit. But in a matter of days, Jesus had already gathered a wide following and gripped the attention of many. And John the Baptist, where do we find him as we open up? Praise the God. Praise God we still find John the Baptist, even though he's lost a lot of people and attention and crowd, he's still faithful. Look what the Bible says here in John chapter number 3, and look back at verse number 23. The Bible says here, and John also was what? baptizing, which is what he was already doing before Jesus came unto the scene. And at this time, Jesus, according to verse 22, has still traveling, and Jesus is still continuing his ministry, and, and this time he's in Judea. And where's John? We find him in a place that's well known, on the west side of the Jordan River, which is where he baptized Jesus Christ. And what's he doing? He's still being faithful, preaching Christ, and he's still baptizing However, something was different this time when John was preaching and when John was baptizing. Anybody know what the difference was? Anybody catch it? See, the difference here, that even though John was still continuing doing the same thing he was doing in John chapter 1, preaching and baptizing, something was different. And how do you know because of what the disciple says and, and what really is that? The scripture makes it clear that John lost most of his crowd and followers. John lost a lot of his disciples. You see, John was still in the same place preaching. John, John was still in the same place baptizing, and yet the crowd was low. Maybe church on Sunday morning, there wasn't as many people. And where's everybody at? John wasn't asking that question, but guess who was? His disciples. And his disciples kind of had a question about it, an issue with it, and really they made a comment about that. And let's look back here now. Let's look back at verse number 26 of John chapter number 3. John chapter number 3. Look at what the, the scripture says. He had a few disciples left, and the disciples had to make a comment. And look what it says in verse 26. They came unto John and said unto him, Rabbi, he that was with you, or he that was with thee beyond Jordan, to whom thou bearest witness, behold, the same baptizeth, 
and all men come to him. Now, again, what were these disciples really doing? They were blaming the low numbers on Jesus Christ. John, everybody's gone to him now. I mean, nobody's coming to you for preaching or baptizing. All men go to Jesus now. And, and, and honestly, I can probably hear a little bit of the frustration or kind of questioning and like, this, this is, is this okay? This seems wrong. And they began even blaming the fact that Jesus has stolen John's influence. Jesus had stolen John's crowd, his popularity. And, and now all men now were going to Jesus instead of John. And the question really, what they're trying to really get at is, John, are you just going to let this happen? Are you just going to let Jesus steal all of your crowd, all of your influence, all of your popularity? Are you really okay with that? What does John say? Verse 27. John answered and said, A man can receive nothing except to be given him from heaven. You yourselves bear witness, bear me witness, that I said, I'm not the Christ, but that I am sent before him. And I love, absolutely love the illustration that John goes into right here. And don't miss this, church. Look at, the, look at this, verse 29. It says, He that hath the bride is the bridegroom, but the friend of the bridegroom, which standeth and heareth him, rejoiceth greatly because of the bridegroom's voice. This my joy, therefore, is fulfilled. Can I just pause for a second and, and try to get you to understand what John is trying to say here? How many of you have ever been to a wedding, okay, and if you're married, your hand should be raised because you were the one being, okay, I think majority of us have, and, you know, when, when, when we attend weddings, you know, we get invites, and, and we get invites of those, obviously, who are getting, you know, married, and, and they, they might call it, uh, I don't know, RSVP, or, or save the date, or whatever, and you get an invitation through the mail, and you're like, oh, man, I'm so excited, so-and-so is getting married, and they finally found someone, and this is going to be great, and so, you know, we drive, or, or you go out of state, or whatever, you attend this wedding, but you're there, and you're there only to see two people. You're there only, really, to see two people. I'm not saying you don't have any other family there. I'm not saying you won't see friends there, but the whole reason why you went to the wedding was for those two people, and that's the bride and the bridegroom. Those are the two most important people at a wedding. And I know when the bride walks in, everybody stands and looks, and then everyone's looking at the face of the bridegroom like, oh, he's seeing her in the wedding dress, and, and everyone's getting excited, right? But guess who's, guess who's on the sideline? I remember my wedding, and, and I remember the groomsmen. That's what we call them, the groomsmen over here. While, while I was standing down there, and my wife's walking right down that aisle, I had my cousins and my brother right here, and then my wife, she had her friends and her sister on this side, and we call them the bridesmaids and the groomsmen. And so John, I want you to catch this, don't miss this. After asking this question about, John, you've, you've lost your, your influence, man. You're gone, and, and where's everybody at? Jesus, everyone's going to him now. You, it's like you've been forgotten. And, and John responds to that question, and, and in reality, we'll get to this here in just a second, but, it, but he's trying to say, good. That ought to happen. Because he's trying to say, Jesus is the bridegroom. I'm just the friend. All the attention ought to be on Jesus, not on me. 
I'm just a friend. I'm no one important. He is the bridegroom. And he starts going on and he starts telling him, this is why this is happening. Because Jesus truly is more important than I am. Jesus really is the bridegroom, and I'm just should be, I'm on the sideline. And you know what, those who are on the sideline who watch the person and their dream being fulfilled, and they rejoice. I know my brothers, and I know my cousins are right here, and they're saying, praise God, Reuben found a wife. Amen? And I know that the bridesmaids over here were saying, praise God, or, oh, man, he's kind of ugly, but praise God. Anyways, my wife found me. Amen? But you know what? They, they weren't the focus of the wedding. These two were. These two were. We're just the friends. And you know what brings us the most joy in life? When all the attention goes to the bridegroom and the bride. Now, li- listen to this. As, as we, th- we think about weddings, this came to my mind. Can you, can you think about how silly it would be if you got something in your mail and it was maybe a, a girl that was like, hey, I just got invited to be a bridesmaid in my friend's wedding. Come and see me, RSVP. <laughs> would anybody go there? I don't think I would. I'm like, why would I go see you be a bridesmaid? Or a guy sends out, I highly doubt this, but I'm just, a guy sends out, hey, I was asked to be a groomsman in my friend's wedding. Come see me, be, my, be the groomsman, RSVP. Here's the address for the wedding. You'd be like, what? No. Why would I do that? Why would I go see you be the bridesmaid or the groomsman? Nobody cares about you. No offense, but nobody cares about you. It's all about the bride and, and, the, and the groomsman. The, the, that, that's what it's all about. That's what the scripture says. In other words, this is what John is trying to say. Now say with me, don't miss it. John is trying to say, I'm not the focal point. Jesus is. And all eyes should be off of me. It's not about me. It's never been. It's never been about me. It's always been about Christ and making him known in the world. That's what it's always been about. And this is why John goes and says, he must increase and I must decrease. You know, it's not coincidence that the scripture says must. It's not coincidence. You know what John's truly trying to say? He's trying to say if anything good is going to happen in this life, it's going to be because I was removed from the equation. If anything good was going to happen in this life, it's because I am removed from the equation. And I'm sure that John was thinking about what Paul said and what Paul thought about himself in Romans 7.18. He says that I know that within me, he says, that's in my flesh, dwelleth no good thing. Why would I want to be the big picture? There's nothing good about me. You know who needs to be in the forefront? Jesus Christ. He deserves all the attention. I'm just the friend of the bridegroom. I'm not the bridegroom. I I testify to this. I'm not the Christ. And he begins reminding them, guys, what are you so mad about? Jesus must increase. Let him take everybody. I don't need that. Let him increase. I need to get out of the picture. I must get out of the way so that Christ can work. I must not take attention from him. I am not the Christ. And you know what? It's okay for me to disappear into the background. 
that's good. Let Christ take all the influence and popularity. Let me disappear into the background. I want you to notice something John said three different times. Go, to, go back to John 1. Go back to John chapter number 1. John chapter number 1. And look with me at verse number 15. John chapter number 1 and verse number 15. The Bible says this. John chapter number 1 and verse 15. John bare witness of him and cried, saying, This was he of whom I spake. He that cometh after me is, I love this here, preferred before me. Why? For he was before me. Look back at verse number 27. Look at verse number 27. Just a couple more verses ahead. John chapter 1, verse 27. The Bible says, He it is, Jesus Christ, who coming after me is preferred before me. And then he adds to it, Whose shoes latch it? I'm not worthy to unloose. Look at verse number 30. John chapter number 1, verse number 30. This is he of whom I said, After me cometh a man which is again preferred before me. Why? For he was before me. I'm going to ask Paul Bloom. Paul Bloom, you in here? Can you come up to the front for me, sir? Can you come up to the front? Just stand right here in the middle, if you would, for me, sir. Let's give him a round of applause as he comes down. <laughs> okay. It's scripture. The Bible says that uh, that word preferred, that phrase preferred before me, what that literally is translated to is in front of. In front of. So I want you to think about this. John is in his ministry in the beginning years, and there's all this talk about Christ, and he's lifting him up, and you know what he says about Jesus? Jesus is in front of me. But he's trying to say that not literally, but figuratively, spiritually. He's better than me. He's above me. He's in front of me. He deserves to be in front of me. Now, what happens when Jesus gets in front of John? This is what happens right here. All right. Can anybody still see me? Okay, I'll take that as a no. Okay. Now, this is literally what John is trying to say. Jesus is preferred before me. He's in front of me. Can anybody see me? No. Good. That's good. That's what Jesus, that's what John is trying to say. This is good. And this is what I'm trying to say, that Jesus is better than me. He deserves to be in front of me. I don't need to be seen. Let him block me. Let him be, he's preferred before me. He's in front of me because he was before me. And you know what shouldn't be happening? Now, I, look, I know. I thought about this one already, okay? And I know you guys are thinking, I can still see him. I know, okay? Okay? The, the point, though, is I'm supposed to be blocking him, Okay? But if John was all about himself, this is what he'd be doing. He's like, look at, look at me, guys. Look at me. And Jesus is back there. Jesus is behind scenes, and Jesus is disappearing in the background while John's like, I'm the greatest, I'm the best, nobody look behind me, blah, blah, blah. But that's not what John did. You're, you're good. Thank you. I appreciate it. That's, that's not what John did. John said Jesus is preferred before me. He's in front of me. He's better than me. He deserves to take all the attention, and I deserve to be hid behind him in the background, deserving no attention. Why? Because, again, he was before me. Who am I? Who am I? Now, some of us, as we come to a close to this, 
come to a close to this. The less of me that people see, the better. The less of me that people see, the better. Christ must increase in my life. I must decrease. The less of me people see, the better. This, this, this verse here that, that, that John stated in, in John chapter number 3 and verse number 30 where he says he must increase, but I must increase, church, that's a lifelong call. You understand that? I know some of us may have already had spiritual victories and spiritual achievements and we've, we've progressed far in life, but you know what? There's still room for Jesus to increase in your life and for you to decrease. That is a lifelong call. Jesus must increase and we must decrease. But the issue is, some of us are blocking Christ. Some of us are standing in the front and trying to take all the attention and say, Look at me, everybody, I'm great. I'm amazing. And we're blocking Christ. But Christ is better than us. And some of us still live as if we are preferred before Christ. And we're taking all of the attention that belongs to Christ. Church, together, we need to get out of the way. And we need to let Christ do his work. You know, it makes sense for someone who has never met Christ to focus on themselves. It does. It makes sense for me that I see an unbeliever prideful and all about themselves and thinking and thinking they're the best. It makes sense for an unbeliever, but it doesn't make sense to me that a Christian would be in front of Christ. That doesn't make sense. You see, an unbeliever will focus on their wants. An unbeliever will focus on their desires and their goals and their dreams. However, when somebody finally meets Jesus Christ and they are radically changed, that person finally recognizes that life was never about them. It was never about them. When somebody finally bows their head and they repent of their sin and they accept Christ, they, right then and there they, they realize, wow, life was never about me. It was always about Jesus Christ. The world never revolved about, around me, but it revolved around Christ. Knowing that, that person, knowing that, he therefore joyfully steps out of Christ's way and lets him now receive all the glory. That's a Christian. A Christian joyfully decides to be the friend and let the bridegroom take all the glory. But there are so many Christians today, and I know I'm included in this, that we just like to be in the front. And you know what we're doing? We're just blocking Christ from his glory, and we're blocking Christ from his work. That's what we're doing. I mean, did, did not a Christian, as Revelation 3.17, have you not seen that you are wretched and miserable and poor and blind and naked before you met Christ? Have you not noticed that? Who do we think we are? Why do we think we need to be in the front? What do you have to offer? Nothing. I know that is in me, in my flesh, dwelleth no good thing. Why would I want to be in the front? K. Arthur once said this, Your life is to be lived in such a way as to reflect Him, to show the world the character of God, 
His love, His peace, His mercy, and His gentleness. You are to live for Him and to accomplish His will. And to miss that purpose is to miss fulfillment. And they ended that quote saying this, It is to have existed rather than to have lived. Think about that for a second. You know what you do when you decide to be the bridegroom and take all the attention and and be in the front? Is you're just existing. You're not really living. Because your life is to be dedicated to reflecting Christ. And when you take His spot, all you do is exist. You're not living. You're not accomplishing anything for Jesus Christ. John 1.31, John says this, Therefore am I come. This is the reason, in other words, he's trying to say, that I've come before the public. That's what that phrase means. Therefore am I come. John says, This is the reason why I've come before the public. Not to make much of me, but to make much of Christ. That's why he got the attention. So church, have you stepped to the side? Have you denied self? Maybe you have, but you need to understand this right here is a continual process that occurs until we die. Can I just have you turn to one more passage and we're done? Go to Luke as we finish. Luke chapter number 7. Luke chapter number 7. Luke chapter number 7. Luke chapter number 7 and verse number 24. Luke chapter number 7 and verse number 24. Couple verses and we're done. This is the last passage we turn to. Luke chapter number 7. Look at verse number 24. The Bible says this And when the messengers of John were departed, Jesus, he began to speak unto the people concerning John, red letter Bible. Jesus is talking, and Jesus says this What went ye out to in the wilderness for to see? A reed shaking with the wind? But what went ye out for to see? A man clothed in soft raiment? Behold, they which are gorgeously apparelled and live delicately are in king's courts. But what went ye out for to see? A prophet? Yea, I say unto you, and much more than a prophet. Verse 27. This is he of whom it is written, Behold, I send my messenger before thy face, which shall prepare thy way before thee. Verse 28. This is where we finish. Look at verse 28. Jesus, Jesus says this. For I say unto you, among those that are born of woman, there is not a greater prophet than John the Baptist. But he that is least in the kingdom of God is greater than he. Jesus literally said that there is no greater prophet than John the Baptist. Why? Because John learned to show others Christ, not himself. He got out of the way. That's all we need to do. That's all we need to do. Let's pray. Father God, we love you. We thank you again for being before us. Lord, you truly are preferred before us. God, I I know I'd love to see more teens, but God, this is for me. This is for the church. This is for all of us, not just for the teens. Lord, how, how great would it be that some of us would finally just get out of the picture, God, and let you take center stage. Your will, God, be done, not mine. Your mercy, your peace be known, not mine. God, may we be a church, may, may there be teenagers who are willing to give up their life
for you to give up their influence, their popularity, and to take joy in just being the side person and the friend of the bridegroom. God, I pray that none of us are trying to be the bridegroom. And if we are, Lord, I pray that we learn to step to the side and be the friend.